Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 and AM 760 in Hawaii. I'm joined as always by G. Hey Wiley, Brandon Deutsch and a jam-packed first segment today. The sports god Dave Smith, Fredo Cervantes. Folks, we have way too much to get into, Jihei. So with that said, let's get to today's headlines. Well, the Padres defeated the Dodgers yesterday 5-3 to three, as Clayton Kershaw did not look his best. And the bullpen may have even been a little worse, guys. <laughs> the Dodgers hitting um, through two games in this series looks uh, relatively streaky and less consistent than it did during the season. But what do the Dodgers need to do to get back and track um, back on track? And are you worried? I am worried. I mean, listen, I didn't think I'd be worried, uh, you know, top of the fifth game one. Dodgers have a 5-0 lead. The problem is that they have not hit since... The, since that point and and so the problem with this team right now streaky hitting an inconsistent bullpen and now it's 1-1 right and now it's a best of three but not only is it a best of three the next two games are uh, that the next two games will be at Petco Park so the problem with this team they drop one more if they if they lose on Friday night all of a sudden it's a do or die elimination game that would be at Petco Park. So listen, Dave Smith, I am very concerned right now. Well, here we go, Clayton Kershaw again. We've talked about his problems in the postseason, and you know, when I've been coming on this show, the Dodgers as good as they are, the concern was the bullpen, but it's particularly Kershaw. And he gave up three runs in the first three innings again last night, a home run in the first inning, and this has been his pattern throughout his career. Great in the regular season. Uh, can't do it in the playoffs. His ERA, I think, is two points higher in the postseason than it is in the regular season throughout his career. So, well, I was saying, I would think about maybe not starting him, maybe bringing him out of the bullpen, maybe making him a closer or something, because he can't be trusted when the postseason starts. Now, I still think the Dodgers are going to win the series, but whenever he takes them out in the playoffs, you've got a problem. Fredo, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of clear. I I think that it got to be a situation with Dave Roberts, the way he managed the game. I I believe yesterday that could have been an easy win for them, even though it was a close matchup. But there was a situation where in the seventh inning, you have Cody Bellinger, who's kind of been struggling, and he gets that crucial single um, that kind of got him going a little bit. Then in the bottom of the eighth, men on first and second, and he pinch hits. Austin Barnes for Cody Bellinger. I didn't, I understand the matchup hater lefty on lefty, but Bellinger's coming off a good hit in the seventh inning. Um, I felt like he was going to come in and maybe do something, get another base hit or something, and bring in Matt Barnes to go ahead and just pop up. I thought that was a crucial mistake from Dave Roberts, and it always seems every time the Dodgers struggle, it's always certain decisions that manager Dave Roberts, whether he takes out a pitcher too early or leaves them in there too long. As well, Trey Thompson, still a hit list in the series in the first two games. Mookie Betts, only one hit out of eight at-bats. I mean, Mookie is the start of the lineup. He is the one that gets this team going. As long as he gets going, the Dodgers will be okay. 
And Fredo, those are all great points. Something I wanted to point out is um, our good friend Graham Mona was saying, you know, he was a high-end baseball player, almost a professional, hit 300 in college, and he did it by being one of those guys that you could count on, a slap hitter, you know, a guy that gets singles, a guy that can bunt. And we saw the Phillies a couple of days, days ago beat the Braves, you know, bunting with Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, playing small ball, you know, just getting the getting the runners over. And when I see Max Muncy, you know, not running to second base and coming up with some BS excuse about, oh, you know, I was scared that, I mean, that, that double was crushed. It, sh- it should have been a double and everyone knew that, right? He was on first base, right? Then Gavin Lux, you know, goes into the double play after after they don't bunt down on first and third, right, with a suicide squeeze. I just think, I don't know if this is attributed to Roberts or Friedman, whoever's calling this, but you would think when it's that close of a game and you have no outs with two guys on, first of all, Muncy should have been on second, but you bunt. You play the small ball game. At this point, winning matters. It doesn't matter how sexy it looks with the home runs, with the hits. With I don't care if it's Freddie Freeman or Trey Turner. You bunt. I'm sorry. You know, you play the small ball game because look what happened. They, they're, they're like the Yankees in the sense it's all about home runs or riding on your stars. And it just hasn't worked out. And pitching's obviously we knew was going to be an issue, both starting and relief pitching depth-wise. But we didn't know it would be an issue this early against the Padres team that really lacks the same problems as the Dodgers. But I'm more worried about the managerial decisions in the small ball situations, going away from analytics and just winning a ball game, doing the old school small ball baseball. That wins you these close games. And that was a game the Dodgers really could have won. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe that maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but um, should we also be concerned uh, just about the the hitting in general going cold? Well, yeah, because what they they, they didn't uh, score after the third, right? Yeah, yeah. In in game two, they didn't score after what the fourth and in. in uh, game one so i mean listen you gotta have timely hitting streaky hitting that's not going to help you pitching there's just a lot of questions about a team that had 111 wins i'm kind of surprised right now not that i expected a sweep but the way that they played to close out game one and the way that they played in game two very concerning i also before i know g has a question but also like i'm I'm concerned that friedman you know we always this always comes back to bite him doing nothing at the deadline he could have picked up another pitcher he could have picked up a relief pitcher a starter anything would have worked at this point why is Bobby Miller still in the minors throwing 101 you can come in and bring him in the closing spot right or something get that guy experience I know he's young Gavin Stone they have all this pitching depth and they're not giving the opportunities to them I mean obviously we look at the Mariners who bring in Robbie Ray and it's much worse it could be worse for yeah. the Dodgers but it's also like <laughs> yeah. this is the this is the bet like this is a 111 win team that really had the most flaws out of a 111 win team that we've ever seen. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know, timely hitting, streaky hitting, but really runners in scoring position, they gotta be more efficient. And that that's attributed to playing small ball. Yeah, well, um, you guys already answered my question, so I'm just gonna move on to the second uh, headline. Lakers lost yesterday, um, yet again, another preseason game, but this time to the Timberwolves, who didn't play Carl Anthony Towns and didn't play Rudy Gobert. Anthony Edwards didn't have a great game, but Nas Reed, Jaden McDaniels, Jalen Noel, uh, they destroyed these guys, right? Um, a Lakers team that had LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court for 25 plus minutes each. Should we lower our expectations on the Lakers this season, guys, or is it just preseason and they'll figure it out? Um, just figure yeah, out a way what, to string together. What, 
the expectations for this team are pretty low. So I, I, I don't think anyone's thinking that they are a championship contending team. I think most most people think that they'll probably sneak into to the playoffs. Um, the concerning thing here is they were winless in the preseason last year, and they found a way to win one preseason game this year. I know the preseason game doesn't mean a lot, but you have to show signs of the team that you can be. And Dave, beyond just the way that they've performed on the court, the mannerisms, the just the watching Russell Westbrook with this team, it's very clear that he doesn't want to be here. Is this going to be another disastrous year for the Lakers? I think a lot of it depends on Darvin Ham. I, I, I like the hiring. They certainly can't play him. They can't, certainly can't use the same lineups they did last year. Russell Westbrook can't start on this team. I said that last year when they brought him in. He's oil and water uh, with LeBron. They can't play together because uh, LeBron's always going to dominate the ball and play the point guard position. And Westbrook can't be an off guard because he's a bricklayer and he can't shoot. He's best when he dominates the ball and has it in his hands. He should be the second unit point guard and a guy coming off the bench, number one. And I kind of like what they did in the offseason. I, I like the Patrick Beverly acquisition. Kendrick Nunn's a good player. Uh, I like bringing Shooter back. I know they talk about having too many point guards, but in this day and age of the NBA, guys, with everybody playing small ball and spreading teams out and, uh, and an up-tempo, I, I would certainly think that Darvin Ham can't be afraid to play three of those guys at the same time, three out of those four point guards. And for some long stretches of the game, go small and maybe have LeBron and AD out there with them with, with AD playing center. I would like to see a, lay, a lineup like that with three guys who can handle the ball, three guys who can get to the basket, three guys who can shoot. And then I think you've got a spot play, Russell Westbrook, and you've got to make sure LeBron's not on the court while Westbrook is. And I'm sure they're still trying to deal him, but there just aren't any takers. There aren't. And well, this would, be, this would have been funny to say three years ago, but nobody wants him because uh, he's he's a he's a bricklayer. And uh, and in this day and age of the modern NBA, especially with a guy who's 33, 34 years old who can't shoot, there's not a place for him anymore. Fredo, your thoughts on the Lakers? I mean, they've only won one game this entire preseason. Well, of course, you know, we've seen that in the last few seasons. You know, they hardly ever win in the preseason. And, you know, LeBron, for some reason this year, like Darvin Ham said, if he wants to get his team um, to play together a little more. So that's why they're playing a little more minutes than they usually do during the preseason. Honestly, I, I think next week we'll really be able to see where the Lakers are really going to be after they play the Warriors on Tuesday and after they play the Clippers on Thursday. Two great teams, two very good teams that that's going to really show where exactly the Lakers are going to be. Can they at least win one out of those two? I certainly believe so. I think it might feel ring night at the Warriors. You know, there's going to be so much excitement in that team. The Warriors might just come in and it's ring night. We know what happens that time of the season when it's ring night. So maybe they'll be able to pull that one away. But that Clipper-Laker matchup is going to be very exciting. Go ahead and see Kawhi and LeBron James. But LeBron's 20th year, I kind of saw a little bit on him last night being like, okay, I can now really clearly see that this is his 20th year because he's not hustling out there. There's certain plays that he's got to be out there. and He just kind of walks around at times. And I know Darvin Ham stays in the hole, everyone accountable. Maybe it's the preseason. Um, I know they're going to be doing a lot of uh, tape watching, but I think the Lakers are going to be okay, even though Russell Westbrook's still on the team, which we're all surprised about that. But Darvin Ham's got to make this work. Darvin Ham, during the interview, I'm pretty sure they told him, hey, can you can you do something with this roster? And he's like, yes, I can. So if he certainly can, he got to show us that he can. 
Yeah, and you know, both great points again. I was sitting there dissecting every single second of this game, looking at it from like a pure basketball perspective. And Even it's, though it's preseason? Yeah, I was <laughs> watching that whole game. And it's important <laughs> for a couple it reasons. It's one of these things where the Lakers, we know, we kind of, the expectation of a seven seed might be a little high at this point, to be honest with you guys. I mean, Minnesota is what the eighth team we're thinking or the seventh and they're probably better than the lakers i mean just look at their bench i know it's preseason there's a lot of concerning things and there's a lot of positive things i think there's going to be more positive than concerning things this year than last year but the same issues are going to arise they can't shoot to save their life they missed 14 threes in a row and that's fine if their defense is really good because the 2020 team that won it all couldn't really shoot let's be honest they had contavious caldwell pope then danny green showed up and laid a dud of a year had 32 percent from three 33 percent. he was terrible and look that team couldn't shoot but the defense was ranked top three top yeah four, right? and their supporting cast so, was amazing so and this lakers team has the makings of a good defense and dave's right it's not never a bad thing to have i mean they have the best backup backcourt in the league with none intruder no one's going to have a more talented second unit in the backcourt in the nba and it's one of those things where they yes they're heavy on guards they really want Toscano Anderson needs to have a huge year or Patrick Beverly is going to need to be able to guard six foot eight guys. Otherwise, they're going to have a problem. Right. But what I noticed yesterday, too, is Anthony Davis looks elite again. You know, if he can stay healthy, he looks better than he has the past couple of years. That's 100 percent. And it's not even close. Just the way he's kind of attacking the basket. His jumper looks better. LeBron's still going to be LeBron. Westbrook's looked actually really good other than stepping out of bounds four times for no reason. <laughs> I mean, But that's what you're going to get with Russ. People need to understand like the dude is gonna have moments where you're like what the heck are you doing those are gonna happen and those are the ones that are on social media but he's also still one of the best playmakers in the nba he can get to the rim with ease but dave's right he can't play with with lebron it's really evident he can play with davis we saw it last year toward the end of the season when lebron sat out westbrook was like 28 and 10 27 and 7 like he was balling with just anthony davis the problem is him and lebron where's the floor space and if i'm darvin ham and i have all this depth and they really are one of the deepest teams in the league in the sense at the guard position, right? They don't have wings and that's a problem and that's going to hurt them and probably the reason why they won't win a championship unless they pick up a wing at the deadline. But it's like, start Patrick Beverly, start Kendrick Nunn, let Westbrook come off the bench and start Reeves or Walker at the three. And I, there's people at The Athletic, I don't know if it was John Hollinger, I, I know it wasn't Jovan, but they were saying Lonnie Walker is terrible. Did you watch that game last night? That guy's the that guy's the truth when, when he gets going. And he's young. He averaged 14 points per game on a Spurs team. That was decent last year. You know, they had DeJounte Murray. They had other guys. This is a guy that's going to be crucial for him. And that injury is something to watch because they really desperately need him um, on, you know, the opening night. Last thing I'll say, I know we're wanting to trade Westbrook, but... I actually agree with Rob in this sense. When it gets to the deadline and you already pay half, like 22 of yeah. his 44 million, you know what you're going to get for Westbrook? I know no one wants him, but there's going to be teams that are tanking for Wembenyama. Yep. This is going to benefit the Lakers tremendously. They could get serious assets for Westbrook, and, and now it would be a protected, if they even have to give a first-round pick, it would be protected at that deadline. So they're going to upgrade at that position. They probably make the Indiana trade on February. The issue 20th. with Westbrook is that if he turns into a cancer with this team, and I don't know if you guys saw like those viral clips yes. where he doesn't want to be a part of the team, and then Pat Bev's trying to get everyone together, and Russ doesn't want to be a part of it. I mean, th that can't continue. That cannot continue. Yeah. No. I mean, 
I, I know that this is going to seem like mean or whatever you want to say, but I just think that Laker fans, you just need to lower your expectations a little bit more. Yeah. I'm not saying that this team can't, you know, go on a run or they can't, you know, certain things might not hap- might happen for them or might not happen for them. But I just think that, like, playoff expectations still need to be a little lower. Especially with how stacked the West is. Yeah. Oh, especially with you how know. stacked the West is. Speaking of how stacked, my Clippers, man. I love it. I Best love it. Team Norman, in the NBA. Oh, so good. Norman Powell went off for the Clippers, scoring 34 points in only 25 minutes, despite them losing to the Nuggets. Again, it's preseason, so everybody calm down. Second round pick, Musa Diabate, got the crowd going with a ridiculous dunk. But what does it tell you guys about a team um, that their fourth or fifth best player can put up 34 points in 25 minutes? Should more people be hyping up the Clippers? 100%. I mean, the Clippers going into the season are my favorites to win the entire thing. And listen, I know it's the Clippers. So, I mean, I've covered this team long enough to know (laughs) something's going to happen along the way where they're going to lose in the second round or lose in the conference finals. But, you know, when you look at what's happening with the Warriors and you look at what's happening around the league, the Clippers on paper are the most talented team. They got Kawhi back. They got Paul George back. John Wall looks, listen, they just need John Wall to be a role player, really. And, and, and so, you know, the way that this team looks right now, they look like the championship favorites, in my view. Dave, I know it's early, and we've covered the Clippers for a long, long time. Yeah. Can this team finally win it all? Uh, can they? Yes. Uh, certainly on paper, but we've said this over the last uh, two or three years, three or four years of Russia. Yes. And will, will they find a way to lose? Uh, probably. Yeah, uh, because this is the Clippers we're talking about. And, uh, they've blown two, three to one series lead in recent years. And I really think the window might have closed uh, in that loss they had to Denver. What was that, two or three years ago? That was, I think, they were clearly the best team in the NBA that year. They had Denver on the ropes of three to one, and in the bubble, found a way to lose that series. But it's all about staying healthy for them. You know, Paul George being uh, uh, the, the elite player that he is, and Kawhi Leonard, top five player in the NBA, great two way player, went healthy. But can they stay on the court at the same time? But great depth. Uh, I, I love the coach and Ty Lu, and I like this team a lot. I like the Western Conference as well. And you brought up the Warriors, Arasha. I love what the organization is doing up there. You, you look at the future that they have with Moses Moody and Kaminga and James Wiseman looks great in the preseason. Those three young guys. Uh, yeah. The Warriors are going to be good for a very, very long time with that trio coming up uh, as they phase out of the older guys. But yeah, to answer your question, I, I love the Clippers team. I love the roster. I love the coach. Uh, but, you know, they're going to find a way somehow they'll find a way to lose in the postseason. Fredo, your thoughts on the Clippers this season? Yeah, I mean, exactly what both of you two said. You know, it, they've been the favorites over the last three, four seasons. You know, they've been heavy favorites coming into the year every year. And they just, for some reason, always find something. And uh, for me, I'm clearly feels like, okay, now now Clippers, is, I'm not going to believe in you guys right now. That you guys are heavy favorites, but you guys got to prove it. Because on paper, they clearly have a very good team, a very good bench as well, and a great head coach in Ty Lue. So, but I'm still, I mean, we haven't seen it in how long they've been around, for 47 years or so, and they haven't won one yet. So we're still here waiting to see if they're finally going to get it this year. They certainly got a good chance, but I still think the Warriors are the best team right now in the West. Um, They're just, you know, they're they're the uh, champions of what, four times in the last seven years or so. They're just too good. I think they're still going to be on top of the West, but maybe the Clippers, 
finally this year can be the the year they might be able to get it and i'll say one last thing because i know we don't have much time here um the nuggets and the clippers are the two teams i think the nba is sleeping uh, the, on. yeah people the, are sleeping the, on the, the nuggets. nuggets literally yeah. Jokic is so good he had the highest player efficiency yeah. rating of all time top shooting team in the nba without their second and third best players they add bruce brown and contavious caldwell pope for defense that's a team to worry about the clippers my opinion by far the best team in the nba this year this is the best team they've ever had i'm gonna say this it's the exact same thing that fredo says on paper they look sexy as heck but you know what in reality i'm just i i i'm like dave i don't really have the it's faith this, they're gonna they're gonna find a way to lose it's this year or never if they don't win this year i agree i, I absolutely agree wow. I, I, this year never i, I absolutely yes. agree specifically because of Kawhi, and if he can stay healthy this is what everybody is saying and this is i'm gonna say it too if he can stay healthy psh, sky's the limit yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, G. We may have to make another wager. Where I'm, <laughs> I'm where not I'm losing another bottle of cannabis. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's leave it there for now. Fredo Cervantes, my man, you're the best. The sports god, Dave Smith, we will have you back on next week. Uh, that's all the time we have for this segment. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend, Nick Hamilton, right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just, as a, just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline, 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Sporting Tribune guest hotline right now and talk to our main man, Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you? Long time no see you, Rosh. How have you been? I know Nick and I were at the Dodgers game last night. Not only were we, you know, watching the game in the press box, we were in the clubhouse. We walked to our parking lot 14, which I actually don't think is so bad. Everyone wants to, you know, yeah, they, they have they have the, uh, you know, tier one press parking. I actually think when you're, when you're, when you're leaving the parking lot, First of all, you, you, you make a nice little walk. You work off the, the, the Dodger dog that you have, so, that, that, so that's a good thing. And then when you, like, exit, there's no traffic, so it's fantastic. Uh, Nick, listen, we were watching that game last night. Um, I was always expecting some kind of a moment, some kind of a turning point there where the Dodgers' bats would come alive and they would score some runs. This is the most concerning thing to me about when you look at game one and then you look at game two. They didn't score any runs late in either of those games. They found a way to hold on there in game one. Just had no life in game two. Are you concerned? Yeah, you definitely have to be concerned. I mean, the, the, there's more heat on this Dodger team than a crooked politician being forced to resign. <laughs> I mean, when you look at what they, that level of expectations are obviously through the roof because of their 111 game win season. And when you look at what the Dodgers have done through the regular season, according to the you know the fan bases from the optics, you would think that the Dodgers would have a, a pretty interesting advantage 
over the Padres, especially when we saw in game one how they came up, the, the crowd was fired up. You know, uh, Julio Urias uh, looked fantastic uh, in that game. And then you look at Clayton Kershaw, who's had a great season as well, and then he comes out and doesn't look as sharp as we've seen him uh, to be in times before. Um, and so, you know, the, between Clayton Kershaw on the mound and his average performance, and then you look at, you know, like you said, the, the offense as far as not being able to drive in enough runs uh, to sustain uh, a lead, and they've had to come from behind. Um, you know, it just wasn't a recipe for success. So if you're looking at game three, obviously game three is going to be very interesting uh, moving forward and game four. Um, this could ease. I, I call the Dodgers in four, but I may have to change that and say, man, Dodgers in five, which means they may take it to the distance uh, yeah. because they've got to be able to score runners in, runners in scoring position. And all, along with that, defensively, they gotta come, they've got to be better, especially in the infield. We've seen a couple of errors in the last couple of games that pretty much have cost them opportunities. Even when we spoke with Gavin Lux last night, you know, he was saying how many opportunities the Dodgers kind of forfeited because they didn't capitalize on those moments and those were crucial moments that they could have easily won, you know, one game two um, and really dominated in game one. Yeah, Nick, I mean, in the first segment we were talking about playing small ball, how they didn't, you know, when they had no outs, Muncy obviously didn't get to second base. He had some excuse about it, but he should have been at second base. Bunt the ball, I don't care who's up, you know. Play small ball, get the runs in, especially in a close game. But I wanted to ask you about this USC-Utah matchup that has a lot of Trojan fans very nervous, including myself. This is not a game I'm confident going into. Uh, last week, I know the defense looked good in the second half, but Caleb Williams was... Uh, act, has actively a lot of times missed guys wide open this year, as good as he's been in other moments and other facets of the game. And I get the offensive line is terrible for USC. At the same time, what does USC need to do to go into the first really dominant hostile environment? I know Oregon, Corvallis was tough, but let's be real. Oregon State's not Utah. This is a different animal. Um, what do they need to do to win this game, Nick? And do you think they do? Yeah. You're absolutely correct. I think Caleb Williams has to stop doing so much with two left shoes. Um, because when you look at what the, the what Caleb Williams possesses, obviously, is an incredible upgrade from the from the previous quarterbacks that we've been uh, accustomed to as far as being able to have that field vision, be able to find the open guys, be able to spread the ball again, and continue, keep drives going. Um, but when you look at what he's done, especially this last game, it wasn't impressive. Uh, surprisingly, the defense, as you mentioned, was actually impressive, especially in the second half, or at least for two and a half quarters. Uh, they were actually the impressive one, and it was always the, all, almost the reverse of what we've seen in games prior as far as the offense is concerned. You're coming into a very hostile environment. You, Utah is obviously pissed off by being beat down uh, by UCLA at the Rose Bowl, so they're going to come in mad. They're going to come in upset because now they have one have a one loss record in the in the conference, and so they want to spread that that hatred uh, towards USC as far as making sure they get a, a, a one loss uh, record in the conference as well. So USC is going to have to play very disciplined. Uh, Caleb Williams is going to have to take it play by play, not look ahead, not look at okay. We're in the first quarter. We won the first quarter. No, you have to take it play by play, quarter by quarter. And he's going to have to play some very efficient football. Uh, do not turn the ball over. The defense is going to have to step up. And as far as the pass rush is concerned, there's never been a real concern about the pass rush for the 
USC defense has been the, the run game and, be, and the inability to stop the run. That's why they had issues at Corvallis against Oregon State because the inability to stop the run. They're going to have to stop the run against Utah and be able to, to drown out the noise and really focus and lock in. They're going to have to lock in. Um, Lincoln Riley is going to be – this is his first real test of the season. Can Lincoln Riley, who we've been hailed as the, 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 the savior or the redeemed team uh, captain, as it were, uh, can he continue to, to keep USC season on course and remain undefeated and see if they can run the table and try to get an opportunity uh, to play for a college football playoff first? Nick, uh, you know, beyond, I mean, we're talking about the teams that we're concerned about. I'm concerned about the Rams. Um, I, I Listen, I, 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 I kind of was one of those thinking, like, listen, you know, first game of the season, they're going up against the Bills. The Bills are probably the best team in the league. San Francisco, listen, I mean, I think every time that, that, that the Rams play San Francisco, they find a way uh, to lose, except if it's the conference championship game. The loss to the Rams, Nick, now that they're 2-3, and three, was really the first time that I'm beginning to be concerned about this team. It's probably taking me a lot longer than it should be. But for, for, for the first time, you know, Sean McVay is below 500 after a couple of games. And um, there's no really help in sight in terms of, like, if you're, if you're concerned about the offensive line play, there's no, like, all pros out there available right now. Your thoughts on the defending Super Bowl champions right now? Man, it is truly Gilligan's Island out there. I mean, the Rams are concerned about the Rams, and they should be because this is not what they have been able to deal with in times prior. Um, and, you know, we found out yesterday, you know, Aaron Donald was not in practice. Cooper Cup was not in practice because they were battling injury. Um, Tyler Higbee was not in practice, which – all three should be able to play on Sunday. I think it was more of a cautionary measure. Uh, but it is something to keep an eye out on, especially uh, with the injuries that have already stockpiled on that O-line. Um, and that's pretty much been a significant cause for why they've been losing as well. Um, but the Rams are going to – I don't know what the Rams have to do. I know, I know one thing. They definitely have to beat the Carolina Panthers. The yeah. Carolina Panthers lost Matt Rule. Obviously lost the defensive coordinator. Uh, there's been talk about putting Chris, uh, Christian McCaffrey – uh, in the trade and on the trade block, so Carolina has their issues of their own. But if you're the Los Angeles Rams, you're gonna have to find a way to win to at least go into the bye uh, with the win and have some momentum going into the bye. Because let me tell you something: the San Francisco 49ers are getting more and more dangerous as the weeks progress because they're getting healthier. They're getting guys back week by week. Don't be surprised if the Rams can't figure it out and turn this thing around. The San Francisco 49ers may win the NFC West, and the Rams could be looking in as a, as a uh, wild card team moving into the playoffs. So there, there's absolutely cause for concern when it comes to the L.A. Rams. I mean, they have a lot of going on, especially with the news reports that came out about Odell Beckham, uh, you know, saying that, hey, the Rams lowballed him. Then Sean McVay has to deal with that now and try to come and refute that and saying, hey, we still love Odell. Odell Beckham, which I believe they do. I think the Rams organization adores Odell Beckham. Um, the numbers may not have been there, but also let's keep it perspective as well. Odell Beckham has not officially been medically cleared. So that all teams, all these teams, whether it's the Rams, whether it's the, the Ravens or the Green Bay Packers or the Tampa Bay Bucks or whoever else is in the mix, they've got to go over and do a, a concise report as far as seeing when can OBJ be available to play this season and beyond? And is his is his leg going to hold up moving forward if we offer him a multi-year deal, whether that be the Rams or the Bills or whoever? So 
fans have to understand that there's a business and there's a science to this in order to be able to have uh, an opportunity to have OBJ on your squad. And I do believe the Rams are still the favorite. Um, I do believe that the Rams are still interested. I mean, hell, like we, like we saw, Rosh, uh, they still have his name and number in their locker room. So if that's any indication of how they feel about OBJ, um, that's a very strong indication. But Sunday, it's, it's when it's pretty much a must-win game for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, Nick, I couldn't agree with you even more. Um, I don't know, man. Like They, they just look like they're in a, a heap of trouble. But um, sticking with California football, UCLA, they just beat Utah. I mean, is it time to put respect on their name? <laughs> no, not yet. And I, and I say that respectfully. Um, and the reason why I say that is because they could easily go into, into Oregon and lay an egg. Right, and sometimes these type of games, when you're so hyped up and so amped up for the big the big teams to come into your town and you and you dominate them as much as UCLA did last Saturday, you go into you're going to Eugene and say, okay, man, we got these guys because they're not the Oregon of, of and you know of the past, and then you find yourself behind the eight ball late in the fourth quarter and can't get a W going on the road, and so. This is definitely a trap game for the UCLA Bruins. They have to make sure that they play the same type of football that they played Saturday, have the same type of attitude and intensity that they had against the Utah Utes. It's the same way they're going to have to go against the Oregon Ducks because the Oregon Ducks are going to come in and say, oh, okay, UCLA's, under, you know, UCLA's undefeated. Let's give them an L. Let's serve them up an L. You know, if we can't go to the college football playoff or play in the Pac-12 uh, championship game, we don't want anybody else either. It's a hateration, holleration, all in the dancery. So that's what you have to make sure if you're UCLA. Again, as I said about USC, you have to take it quarter by quarter. You have to assess uh, yourself as far as, hey, I'm, 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 is the running game working? Is the, is the receiving game working? And being sure that you're able to not turn the ball over, don't fumble the ball, uh, be able to keep drives going, don't go three and out. Um, don't allow the crowd to get into it. Keep the crowd out of it as much as you can by extending drives, scoring touchdowns, kicking field goals. Take the points on the board. You want to take as many points on the board as you can. It's, Oregon is still a very tough place to play when you're the opposing team. So you have to make sure that you stay focused, you stay disciplined, you do what you need to do to come out of there with a win and remain undefeated so you have an opportunity to at least try to play in the Pac-12 championship. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more as far as just I think any every team should have that mentality, right? Every team should come out and be like, "We're we're going to beat these guys no matter what. We need we need that W. Nobody's giving us that L." That being said, Nick, what if they do beat Oregon? Then do you put the respect on their name? No, because you still have to beat USC. Because what if USC goes in and sneaks out a win against Utah? Now you have two undefeated teams. What if so they beat the? If what if they win the Pac-12? Then what if they beat like everything? <laughs> like what? What if like the, this is the best season that they've ever had, and then they like they they beat yeah, everybody? Wait, 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 wait! I'm just these are what ifs. You sound like you caping up hard for the UCLA Bruins. They put you on the not switching up the game i'm just i'm just playing devil's advocate here what if they what I mean, if they flip like the square <laughs> oh like that's low that's low man you going from team to team to team to team i mean what's going on that is Let low me know something. <laughs> that is low. <laughs> no i'm i'm just I'm trying to play devil's advocate and say like if they do win the pac 12 then do you put like do you put respect on chip kelly's name do you put respect on that ucla I bruins football team 
I think you have to give them respect as far as being able to have a successful season under certain circumstances. I mean, obviously we know about the fans not showing up. That's been a distraction. I'm sure that the, the guys are paying attention to that. Um, you know, losing certain games that they shouldn't have lost. Um, you know, it, it, you know what I'm saying? As far as um, depending on what those games are, if they happen to lose against Oregon or if, or if they happen to run the table. Um you know, making sure that guys are staying healthy. Um, but I think you have to give them the respect. If they happen to make it to the Pac-12 championship and represent the Pac-12, you know, um, why not? Why wouldn't you give them that respect? I mean, if they beat USC with Lincoln Riley and, and that high-power offense that they've had, um, obviously beating Utah with that, that with, with Kyle uh, Whittingham and, and that offense and, and that defense as well, um, I think you have to give them that respect. But I don't think it's enough where you're saying, okay, these guys can get into the college football playoff because of where they're ranked. Obviously, the the, the ranked opponents that they have beaten. Um, I think it helped that they beat Utah. If they happen to beat USC at the Rose Bowl, I think that helps. I think it helps them more for the next season. I think it helps them more for recruiting. I think it helps them more to be able to say, hey, you don't have to always go to USC. You can come to UCLA. We can establish a winning culture here at UCLA. Um, so I think it, those variables, I think, matter more so for the following season, not so much this season. Yeah, Nick, I, I wanted to ask you about the Chargers, right? They're playing the Broncos, who have looked terrible on Monday Night Football. How important is it for the Chargers to not only win this game and get the 4-2, and two, but also how easy will it be easy for them to win or will Brandon Staley probably have another blunder of two of the worst play callers in the <laughs> NFL on Monday night, Nathaniel Hackett and, and uh, Brandon Staley? Oh, man. This is a this is a snoozer palooza if I've seen it at all. Um, <laughs> or so this should have been a Thursday night game. Uh, listen, I think it, it's important that you have to win your division games. You plan on winning the division and really having a deep playoff run. You have to take these division games and, and get get wins out of these division games, especially for seeding in the playoffs in the AFC. But also too, um, I think um, the Chargers have to get healthy. Right, and I and I know this. I noticed this week Keenan Allen was on the practice field this week. Uh, not unsure of his status right now, but uh, they can get a guy like Keenan Allen back. Um, I know Justin Herbert is still continuing to recover, recover rather from his injury. Um, that's going to be it's going to be interesting. I mean, you're at home. They should beat the Broncos. Um, they should beat your boy uh, Russell Wilson. Let's rock. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm paying attention to to see what Russell Wilson has to say at his post-game yeah. press conference. That's probably the most interesting thing I want to see. As far as Brandon Staley is concerned, I like Coach Staley. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a knowledgeable guy. Um, but sometimes, you know, guys that are put in head coaching positions may not be able to handle that responsibility. And they're better off being coordinators than head coaches. Um so, you know, the season remains to be seen. But I tell you what, if they don't make the playoffs or they get one and done in the playoffs, as I said before on this program, don't be surprised if we don't see Brandon Staley around much longer because there is a, a future Hall of Fame head coach waiting around, lurking, just saying. By the way, I, I think I heard, I don't know if we talked about that, I think Sean Payton was at the Dodgers game last night. He's already making the rounds, Nick Hamilton. Sean Payton going to Dodgers playoff games, maybe courtside at a Lakers game. I mean, this guy's not being very discreet in terms of saying he wants to be the future head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers and tutor, mentor, J Justin Herbert. Well, here's the thing, too. If you're 
let's just say, for example, that there's nothing I've heard, so I don't want to start any rumors or make it, you know, mis, mis, uh, make any misunderstandings. But mm-hmm. let's just say if you're in the process of trying to sell the team for whatever reason, okay, it looks better from an optical standpoint if you have a top-notch coach in place. Yeah, you already have a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. Who I think it's going to be absolutely phenomenal in his career moving forward. You have some pieces in place that say, if you're the new ownership, why would I not invest in a Los Angeles franchise like the Chargers, who have some really good pieces moving forward? If you put the right football minds together, you can actually have uh, a winning you know, franchise and develop a winning culture. Having said all that, there's no way in West Hill <laughs> I'm going to pass up an opportunity to get Sean Payton, who obviously wants to be in L.A., who obviously, as you said, Arash, making his rounds at Dodger game, possibly may see him at a Laker game at some point, um, and, and maybe at a Kings game. Who knows? Um, especially on Chargers night. Who knows? But at the same time, this man wants to be back in the National Football League, yeah. and what better place to have him in the second largest market in Los Angeles with a quarterback like Justin Herbert? We've seen what he's been able to do with Drew Brees, uh, when Drew Brees had the skill set to be able to take that team to a Super Bowl championship and, you know, to a couple Super Bowl appearances. So, uh, listen, if I, if they don't make the playoffs or they're one and done, don't be surprised if, if Tommy T, better known as Tom Telesco, uh, gets his key card rejected as well as Brandon Staley. Because if Lord knows, if I had the opportunity to hire Sean Payton, uh, we hired him yesterday. Exactly. And, and, and they're in this very unique position here where, you know, not only are they playing at SoFi Stadium, not only are they are, are in Los Angeles, they are about to uh, have the grand opening of their new practice facility in Los Angeles County, which, you know, listen, I mean, the, the whole Costa Mesa thing, I got it at the time in terms of San Diego. You want to be part of like Orange County. Really happy that the Rams are moving to Woodland Hills. The uh, Chargers are going to El Segundo. Los Angeles County, folks. I mean, I, I, these, but both of these teams took forever to figure out what they wanted to do with their practice yeah. facility. But, um, Nick, we have to wrap up. So I'm going to see you uh, this weekend. I'll see you at the Dodgers game or at the Rams game or something. You're the best. I will see you this weekend, my friend. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.